enter into this place. And God, today we know that the disciples in this moment were left in kind of this place of wondering and hoping and recalling all of the miracles and the way that he had walked on water and the, God, all the things that they'd experienced of your son. And God, on the other side of that, we know and we, we see that you are the God that did not fail, but instead there is a plan on that cross, on that day, in this time. And in this darkness, God, there is hope for us on this side. But God, we need to be careful that we understand the loss and the hurt and the sacrifice and the brokenness of your son's body. And we need to acknowledge that and not make light of our sin, but instead, God, sit in it for this moment and this season, this day before Sunday. God, I pray that you would break our heart for what breaks yours. I pray that you would call us to be renewed and to remember that without the cross and the resurrection, God, the gospel isn't what it was supposed to be. And God, our sin put your son on that cross. And God, in this moment, we sit here and we say thank you. We honor you. We worship you. And our heart sings to you today in gratitude for what you gave on this dark day when the earth shook and the heavens cried and the veil was torn. God, because in those moments, your plan was unveiled. You are a God that does not fail. You are a God that loves deeply and holds us even in the seasons of being unsure. So God, today we worship you. We honor you. We may sit here, but in our hearts we are on our knees, giving you praise for the Son of God who died for us. In his holy name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I welcome you into this sacred space, and I'm so glad that you chose to be here with us on Good Friday. This is truly a a special time to gather as God's people to worship. Imagine being there when the crowds began to scream, crucify him, crucify him. And here's how Pilate responded. Mark 15, verse 14. Why? Pilate demanded. Why? Why is a very powerful question. It's one that many authors are writing about these days. They say that you have to know the why behind the what. Because the why is what powers our actions. Why? Says Pilate. And he wasn't the only one asking that why question on Good Friday. Jesus himself, as he hung on the cross cried out to his father, My God, my God, why? So may we be like Jesus today 
and do what he did. May we also wrestle with this question. Why? Let's stand as we worship.
Exalting your status as nothing The King of all kings came to serve Washing my feet Covering me with your love If more of you Means less of me Take everything Yes, all of you Is all I need Take everything You are my
perfect Son of God in all His innocence. You're walking in the dirt with you and me. He knows what living is. He's acquainted with our grief. A man of sorrow, son of suffering. Blood and tears How can it be There's a God who weeps There's a God who bleeds Oh, praise the one Who would reach for me distant and removed But you chased us down in merciful pursuit To the sinner you were grace And the broken you embraced And in the end the proof is in your wounds Yes, in the end the proof is in your stripes, my healing, all praise, King Jesus, glory to God in heaven, your blood still speaking, your love still reaching, all praise, King Jesus, glory to God forever, your cross is my freedom, your stripes, my healing, all praise, King Jesus, glory to God in heaven, your blood is still speaking, your love is still reaching, all praise, King Jesus, glory to God forever, glory to God. Yeah. 
There's a God who weeps. There's a God who bleeds. Oh, praise the one who would reach for me. Good afternoon, church. It is good to be with all of you on this beautiful but very solemn Good Friday. For over a month now, as a church, we've been in a sermon series called A Journey Through Holy Week, in which we have taken a closer look um, at the events that occurred in the final week of the earthly life and ministry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And church, I think you would agree with me that when I say that Holy Week is a little bit of an emotional roller coaster. There are these summits, and then there are these valleys. There are these moments of incredible highs, but then there are these devastating lows. There is jubilant praise, but unspeakable pain. There is extreme gladness, but this deepest of sadness. And you really experience the entire spectrum of human emotion all in one 
week. Well, today on this Good Friday, as we commemorate the death of our Lord, we we find ourselves in a valley moment as we purpose to remember, consider, and reflect on what Jesus did for us all on that Friday some 2,000 years ago. Now, typically when we think about the events of Good Friday, we, we often think about and focus on the terrible details and the awful way in which Jesus died for us, and with good reason. Crucifixion was a horrific and painful way to die. It was an extremely brutal and excruciating experience. In fact, the word excruciate itself actually comes from the Latin word excrucia, which means to crucify. So so crucifixion was literally excruciating. And it's not just the Bible that talks about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Historians, academics, scholars, medical experts have all painted for us in detail, a detailed picture of this evil device and method that was utilized to execute people. And, and many of us have seen it portrayed on the big screen, which, which really brings it to life in, in graphic detail, the awful ordeal that Jesus endured for us on that dark day. And so it seems that the whole world is well aware of how Christ died. But what we really need to know, what is most important, is why Christ died. Why? Why did Jesus have to die on a cross for our sins? Why why couldn't God just graciously extend forgiveness to all humanity and just be done with it? Why, Why can't he just let it go? Why can't God just make sin disappear? Why the cross? Well, Hebrews 9.22 tells us why. And here's why. Jesus had to die because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Now, when we read this verse, it seems very extreme. It feels really drastic. But in reality, church, what this verse tells us, what it should tell us, what it should remind us of, is just how serious, how severe and destructive sin really is. And in a world where people have become so desensitized to sin, where we oftentimes live in perpetual and even habitual sin, where we take sin lightly and even accept it as a part and as a pattern of life, well, you you read this verse and it shakes you, and it should. Because it serves as a reality check. It, it really is a wake-up call, a reminder of just how costly sin is. How much so? Well, Romans 6.23 tells us. It says this, for the wages of sin is death. That's what it costs. That is the price. That is the penalty of sin. And friends, when we really think about it, it actually makes all the sense in the world. And here's what I mean by that. We don't need the Bible to tell us how devastating sin is. And all of you know firsthand, you know that it's true. Our own experiences prove it to us. We all have plenty of evidence in our own lives of how destructive sin really is. Just think about for a moment what sin does to relationships. It ends friendships, it destroys marriages, it dismantles families, and it devastates children. Think of the harm it's done to you and to the people you love and to the people around you. And the effects are often far-reaching, 
They're generational, and they are impossible to quantify. So if that is the impact of sin, and it is, then the wages are appropriate, and the penalty for sin is fair. But it's not only about how bad sin is. It's also about how good God is. The reason, church, that God can't just let sin go and make it just magically disappear is because of who he is. God is holy. God is perfect. God is righteous. God is good. And God is just and he alone is the judge of all the earth. And he is the perfect in his administration of that justice because he has to be. R.C. Sproul argues that if a judge sits on a bench and he just simply excuses, excuses every lawbreaker and every crime and he never sentences anyone to anything or holds anyone accountable for their actions, then such a judge is not just and such a judge is not good. So if God is holy and perfect and just and good, and he is, not only will he punish sin, but he must. It is necessary for the sake of justice. And that is why we read that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for sins. Someone has to pay. Atonement must be made, and justice must be served. And that brings us to the cross. That brings us to the cross. I want to take us now to Matthew's gospel, and I, and I want us to look at one of the things that Jesus said while he was on the cross that really speaks to the severity of sin. And we're going to pick it up in Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse 45. And God's word says as follows. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why would Jesus say such a thing? What is going on here, church? Let me explain. Friends, sin always causes division and separation. Sin separates us from each other, but above all, it separates us from God. That's what sin does. And what happened is that in that moment, on the, while Jesus hung on the cross, Jesus took on the sin of the world. He bore the sins for us all. And it is in that moment that Jesus Christ felt something he had never, ever felt before separation from the Father. Listen, Jesus knew what it was like to be rejected by his own people. He knew what it was like to be betrayed, denied, and deserted by his own friends. But this, this was different. In this moment, he was enduring the wrath of God and experiencing separation from God because that's what sin does. So my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then in verse 51, Matthew tells us the following. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. 
The moment that Christ died, it triggered several events, several different things occurred. And this verse alone describes an earthquake and the tearing of the temple curtain. The curtain in the temple was torn in two. It's very important that we see that. It didn't just tear in two, it was torn in two. That means that someone tore it and that someone was God. So what does this mean? Why? There's that question again. Why is this so significant? Church, according to the Old Testament, this curtain was about 60 feet high. It was about 30 feet wide, and it was very thick. It was massive, and it was heavy. It would not easily tear. And the purpose for this curtain is that it separated an area in the temple known as the holiest of holies from the rest of the temple. And the holiest of holies was the innermost part of the tabernacle where the very presence of Almighty God resided. And this curtain, it served as a separation, as a barrier, and no one, no one except for the high priest once a year could enter into this sacred place, into this holy space, and be in the awesome presence of God. So why was the, turtin, the curtain torn? Well, there are two reasons for this. The first is this. In that time and in that culture, tradition had it that a person would tear their garments from top to bottom as a, as a sign of mourning, as a symbol of sorrow, as, as a public expression of profound grief. For example, a father losing a son is a great example, would fit the bill. So the moment that Jesus dies on the cross. God the Father tore his garment from top to bottom, the temple curtain torn in half. But there was one other reason that God tore the curtain. You see, church, the curtain was symbolic of the separation, of the divide that existed between humans, between us and God, the separation that was caused by sin. But the moment that Jesus died on the cross, the moment that the Passover lamb of God was slaughtered for us, his blood atoned for our sins, and the separation between us and God was no more. The curtain was torn forever. And now, church, all of us, every single one of us, has access to that holiest of holies. We no longer need a priest to enter the presence of God because Jesus Christ himself is our high priest forever. The curtain was like a sign that reads, keep out. Tearing it from top to bottom was God's way of saying, come in. And that's why that detail that torn curtain is so, so important. Brother, sister, you know why Jesus yelled out the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that you and I would never have to. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Romans 3, 23 says this, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means we have all incurred this debt, this penalty for our actions. That means that we are all deserving of the wages of sin. But God, but God so loved you and God so loved me 
that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him will have eternal life and stand in the presence of God forever. And Romans 6.23 really echoes the sentiment. We read part of it earlier, but here's the entirety of the verse. For the wages of sin is death, but, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Brothers and sisters, on Good Friday, we're reminded of how grave and how serious sin is. But more importantly, we're also reminded of how beautiful and majestic God is. He is holy. He is perfect. He is good. And he is just. But above all else, God is love. God bless you, church. I invite you to stand again this afternoon as we worship.
salvation comes through a cross, through a crucified Christ. Word of the Lord says as we recall the why. God's love that motivated, motivated him, motivated Jesus to give his life. Colossians 2, and you who are dead in your trespasses, the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of the debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. My question for us today is, have you accepted the why? Have you invited Christ to be your Savior? Have you canceled by what Jesus did? Have you allowed your sin debt to be canceled on the cross? Have you allowed, like God nailed his son to a cross, have you allowed him to nail your sins to the cross? We do that by faith. I would invite you today to do that. I'm going to pray for us in just a moment. I would invite you to to nail your debt to the cross. Paul wrote in his letter to the Corinthians, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. And I would just bluntly ask you today, has what we've talked about, does it seem to you as folly? read that again for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of God it is the power of forgiveness it is the power of grace it is the power of God's love so today may we look to the cross of Jesus and see in it God's profound love for us May we find in it our freedom from the doom of our sin. May we discover in it the path to the abundant life the Savior promised. May we find God's destiny for us at the cross. At the cross. At the cross where I first saw the light. And the burden of my soul rolled away. It was there by faith that I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. I would invite you to find at the cross your sin debt canceled, the forgiveness, the love, the why behind the cross. Pray with me if you'd like to invite Christ to be your Savior. Pray with me. If you'd like to celebrate Christ, who is your Savior, pray with me. Father God, we thank you for the difference the cross makes. Father, we thank you that as individuals today just acknowledge and realize that the folly they've seen in the cross in the past, but Father, today they see that it is the power of God to their salvation. Father, I just pray as you're drawing them to you that you would move in them as they repent of their sin, as they acknowledge the, the, the debt that can be canceled on the cross and they accept that by faith their sin debt nailed to the cross by faith God I thank you I thank you for setting them free I thank you for forgiveness that you've given them I thank you for the grace that is theirs I thank you for the eternal life that you offer them I thank you God for what you did for us on the cross thank you and Father as we conclude our time today this time that's been rich this time that's been sobering this time that has been a time to remember 
Father, we conclude in worship. We worship the one who gave his life for us. And Father, as we do that, we say thank you to you. Thank you for the difference that Christ makes in our lives. And we celebrate him and we pray in Jesus' name. There's a couple of songs that we want to sing in worship. After these couple of songs, Pastor Chad will dismiss you, those of you who need to go, but I would invite you if you if you don't have somewhere to be and if you want to just linger with us in worship, we would invite you to do that. God is this wonderful God that has given, given his son for us. And as we linger in worship, if you don't have a church home and you don't have a place to to go on Easter, we would invite you to come back and celebrate with us the rest of the story, the rest of the story, the resurrection of Jesus. We'd invite you to come back and worship with us at one of our campuses. But if you have a church home, I would just pray that you would be encouraged as you go to that space and worship the risen Christ. So today, let's remember, let's worship, and if you can, linger with us. without hope with no place to begin your love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested and my life began ash was redeemed only beauty remains my orphan heart was given my morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance When death was arrested and my life began Come on, sing it out together Oh, your grace so free washes over me You have made me
Treasures the pain.